St. Paul, the Apostle Paul. Our church bears his name. Our ministry is in the shadow of his ministry. As I began reading this letter included in our Holy Scriptures, I was reminded that this is one of the last or maybe the last letter that Paul wrote. He wrote it to his dear friend, his companion in ministry, his student, and his legacy. He wrote these words to Timothy. Paul opens the letter with a reminder of how much he loved his dear friend. Just before what Darren read for us today, this letter opens with the words, Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. In these opening words, Paul reminds Timothy of how precious he is, both to the Apostle Paul himself and to God, the Creator, and Jesus the Christ. I wondered, though, as I read, did Paul also need to be reminded himself of his identity? See, he had lost everything for his faith, his reputation, his belongings, his churches, his very freedom. As he was greeting Timothy with these gentle words of love in this letter, was he also reminding himself that he too was a beloved son of the Most High, that he too was a beloved friend of many, including Timothy, who he greatly loved. Oftentimes, in times of hardship, we call upon others to be reminded that we are connected, that we are not alone. I wonder as Paul sat in prison, writing one of his last letters, if not his very last letter, to his beloved son in the faith, what was his state of mind? He seems in this first greeting and in the opening sentences of the letter to be drawing connections. After his warm greeting, he writes, I thank God, who I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers day and night. Paul is reminding himself that he is not alone in this world, though I'm sure he feels very alone, that he is connected to God, that he is connected to Timothy through their friendship and kinship, that he's connected through the life of faith to all of those who have come before him. And there's comfort in knowing that you're not alone. He's reminding himself of what he knows to be true, that he can claim a clear conscience before God, which is vitally important in these, his last days, as he nears the end of his life. He reminds Timothy of what they and what we believe, that we are all called into a purpose for our lives and that God has gifted us with a spirit to fulfill that purpose. Paul says in verse 7, and I love these words, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. God had plans for Paul, big, big plans. God had plans for Timothy. God has plans for me, and God has plans for you. Friends, we are called to believe in our ability to fulfill those God-gifted plans. 
not though through our own strength and power, but through the strength and the spirit of power and of love and through the workings of the sound mind that we have been gifted from God. So, Christians, let yourself off the hook. You should see the kid's face when I ask them questions. They're like, why does she do that? But I always have the answer in mind, and so they're not truly on the hook as much as they feel. And that's kind of how we are with God. And so let yourself off the hook. So often when we begin to realize the plans that God sets forth for us, when we, when we begin to feel overwhelmed by what is to come, we look to our own strength. We look to our own power and our own minds to do the work that is set forth. But we need to remind ourselves, just as Paul reminded Timothy, that we don't work from our own power source. We work from the source of all power. God who works in us and through us. This is a basic foundational belief in Christianity. It is only through the power of God that we can do all things. It was tough growing up in my house when you said you couldn't do something. Oh, through Christ, you can do all things. That was never an excuse. Completely misuse of the scripture, but Dominic never got away with saying, I can't do it. Through Jesus, you can do all things. And then I'd just walk away, and he would mumble under his breath. Paul goes on to tell his beloved friend that he should never be ashamed of the gospel, that he should always remain loyal to the faith, and that he should always be strong in grace. Paul is giving Timothy a boilerplate, Christianity 101, you know, kind of like the uh, Cliff's Notes. Anybody remember Cliff's Notes? When you didn't want to read the whole book, you'd go by the Cliff's Notes. Paul was giving Timothy the Cliff's Notes for ministry. Be proud, be loyal, be faithful, be strong, and be grace-filled. He's reminding Timothy of the sustaining work that has been done by Jesus and the work that will continue to be done through all Christians over time. And there is much work to do. There was then, there is now. In a quiet moment, as I was contemplating the state of the world, which I do not recommend, I wondered how, with all that we have, all of the technology, the resources, everything at our fingertips, I wondered how we got so seemingly off track. You would think that we would have evolved greatly over these thousands of years since these scriptures were written. And we talk about how evolved we all are, how far we've come, and what we've accomplished. And humanity has accomplished much. We've broken barriers of sight and sound. But I fear that somewhere along the way, we've lost a little bit of our creedal selves. So I feel that this word today, written so long ago from the Apostle Paul, I feel that God intended for us to hear these words in this moment, in this place, today. I believe that God wants to remind us of what we believe. We need to hear the call to remain faithful and strong. We need to hear the call to be proud, to be loyal, to be grace-filled. We need to be reminded of these words from St. Paul, who has suffered so greatly for his belief. 
He has been stripped of everything, imprisoned and punished, yet he still calls believers to be proud and loyal and filled with grace. Is this the letter that you would write from prison? This is not the letter I would write from prison. (laughs) Mine would sound more like, come and get me out. But Paul knows that his chains may bind him momentarily, but really freedom is his. Paul has the most excuses to set grace aside. Paul has a list of reasons to set loyalty aside for his very survival even. Yet listen to the words as he calls Timothy to remember the gospel. The gospel that landed him in jail. The message translation of scripture says it this way. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. This is my gospel, Paul says. This is the belief that has gotten me into all this trouble and ultimately will get me out. This is my gospel, which has landed me in prison and will soon bring me to an end and the most beautiful beginning. This is my gospel. I will fight for it. I will be proud of it. I will proclaim it even if, even if it costs me everything, which it has and it will. This is my gospel because this is his story. But remember, he says, remember that the word is not changed. Paul says, I may be chained, but the word of God is not chained. Jesus, persecuted, died, buried, entombed, yet he lives. I went to hear Bishop Will Willeman speak last week. I think I mentioned it when I was in church last week. And he said, he had the the funniest way of talking about the resurrection. And he meant it reverently and worshipfully, but he said, Jesus is loose. Jesus is loose in the world. And for a moment, I thought, well, that's a terrible way to think of of our Savior, that he's loose. But when you think about the word loose, I think of Stella. She can't be trusted to be off her chain in the backyard because she might see a squirrel that she needs to, I don't know what she'd do if she actually caught it, but she might need something she needs to chase. So when she's loose, it has big consequences, Maybe for me, maybe for the squirrel, but there will be consequences to her being loose. Jesus is loose in the world. Jesus is loose, no longer behind the tomb, no longer behind the stone. He is loose and alive and unpredictable. He moves where he wants, he goes where he pleases. He is loose. And I would have it no other way than for my Savior to be loose. There's joy in that. Stella has no greater joy than to be loose. I have no greater fear than her looseness. But isn't that how the world is? Jesus has no fear. Jesus is loose in the world. This is my gospel, and I will stand by it and fight for it no matter the cost. 
Because in truth, there is no cost, only gain. Jesus paid the cost so that we could enjoy salvation, so that we could enjoy eternal glory. There is no cost for me. Maybe temporary trouble and hardship, but the, the means is worth this end. This is my gospel. Have you ever heard anyone say, with the bad comes the good, or you take the bad with the good, something like that? It's kind of a trite way of saying that there are facets to everything in this life. Paul is reminding us in this word today to remain faithful even through the bad. Because Jesus has promised that good will come. Actually, I think that the apostle is calling us to a higher understanding or a different perspective of bad. Did you ever look around your house and just think, I don't like this. It could be better. I could do this or I could do that. And then you watch news footage of the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. And then you look around your house and you say, well, it's not so bad. I have a house. Do you ever have an attitude adjustment like that? Paul is reminding Timothy of the bigger picture, calling Timothy to live a life that is worthy of God's calling. Paul doesn't necessarily mean that Timothy must achieve something tangible in this world to fulfill this calling. No, Paul is calling Timothy to an attitude adjustment, to that moment where you look at someone else's ruins and look at what you just judged and say, well, I guess it's really not so bad after all. We are called to remember the gospel, to be changed by the gospel. We are called to remember that Jesus changed everything. He changed our value systems. He changed our understanding of justice and mercy He introduced a new covenant, a new promise. He changes us. That is what we are being called to remember. Paul is saying you can possess nothing in this life, but if you remember the gospel, then you possess everything in this life because salvation is yours, gifted to you by Jesus Christ. If you remember the gospel, you can be in prison and not write the letter that I would write, help me, but you can sing songs of praise in the darkest of times and places. And it's not easy, and it doesn't come easily, and sometimes you'll still write the help me letter, and it's okay. But when, when it really comes down to it, you can lean into a rest that comes with remembering the gospel. Paul says, here's the word that we lean on and live in. If we died with him, we will live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. Only if we disown him will he disown us. If we are faithless, this is is what I hang on to in those moments of help me. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. There is great power in our remembering. And there's greater power in our collective remembering. Grace is a gift that we choose to receive and then we have to choose every moment of every day to remember that we have received it. It's so easy to forget. 
it can be so difficult to remember. We get lost in the day-to-day of our lives. We get comfortable, complacent. We forget, and the forgetting accumulates like flakes of snow that accumulate to a giant bank. And we forget that underneath all of that snow and that frozen ground lies the spring that will come, and it will come. It's coming, but we forget the hope that lies under the frozen tundra that we don't like. We forget. When times are hard, we forget. When the world seems crazy, we forget. When it seems as if there's no more integrity, no more balance, no more justice, we forget. And then we pick up the book. We hear the word of God. These ancient words that the Apostle Paul speaks to us from another time in another place. And he says, remember Jesus. Remember the gospel. Claim it as your own. When the world spins out of control, remember the God who set the world in motion. When life seems like too much work and it seems more comfortable to stay in bed on Sunday morning, remember Jesus. Remember that Jesus left glory all that is glorious to come and put on skin and walk this dirt. And you know the rest of the story. Remember, when community seems inconvenient because people are annoying, remember Jesus, who, as he was set loose from the tomb, didn't go to Pontius Pilate and say, well, this is awkward for you. Come back. He didn't go and, and cry victory to the people of Israel. He went to the very friends who abandoned him at the cross. That's the first place he went, and he said, peace be with you. Remember Jesus. When you are asked to sacrifice for your family, your friends, your faith, remember that Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for all of us, giving all that he had. This is our gospel. This is our good news. This is what we stand on. This is what we stand for. Please grab a hymnal from the holder in front of you. Turn to page 881. I want you to consider, as we read these words together, we're going to read the traditional version of this creed. I want you to consider what went into the writing of these words. They argued over these words, getting them just right, because this would be a statement that would last until the end of time. And I want you to consider that as we sit and we recite these words together, that there are people and voices that you will hear that are not sure they believe these words, but they're trying, and they're leaning into the hope of belief. And you will hear the voices of those who hold these words so dear to themselves 
that they would sacrifice everything for them. And we hear the whispers of all of the voices who have repeated these words together in unison over the years since Jesus walked. And we hear a hint of all the voices that will come until Jesus comes again. And so as we say these words, I want you to to sit in that moment in the blessed diversity that that God has created as we recite what we believe. We say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived Amen.